So, Will, you're responsible for collecting most of the information for the organization on these rookies, and now you come out here in this rookie minicamp and see them on the field for the first time. What are you looking for when you see them in your organization on your fields for the first time? What, what are you trying to accomplish? I mean, the important thing is we know they can play football. Now we got to figure out if they play at the level that we need them to. And, you know, it's really this part is the mental part. It's, um, you know, all of the things that we give them to prepare, you know, coming in, what the coaches tell them in the first meeting, can they take it from the first meeting to the second meeting to the walkthrough. It's all a chain of progression. And to get out here, I mean, it has to be a fun weekend when you put that many hours for the whole scouting department. Like, what does it mean when you finally get to see them on the field? I mean, it has to be kind of a neat moment. Yeah, it is. That's what we were talking about, you know, because it, it's changed, you know, three, four years ago. Whatever the time frame was when we would have these practices out here, and got, you know, we'd be we'd have multiple guys out, we'd have multiple trial guys. You see them practicing and playing football. It's more intense. This is a little bit different because we get to go out and just kind of watch them move around, you know. So it's a little bit different. We got we still got to wait to see, um, you know, what's under the hood. Um, but to get but but to know that they're ours and to get them out on the field and to see our coach coaching, that's the positive part. The emphasis uh, seemingly, despite. The fact that Mike's an offensive coach, the emphasis seems to be on adding size, being a more physical team, being able to run the football when you want to, uh, and controlling the run on defense. How much of that is accurate, and have you achieved that objective or added to that? I think we've added to it. We've got to continue to um, add pieces to it because that's the type of team that we're trying to build. But, you know, I think um, adding more size, more athletes gives you an opportunity to be flexible in whatever you do. Um, you know, and that's kind of the goal there is to continue to build a strong team, have strong depth. And how do you do that? You got strong athletic players, you know, as you continue to bring them in. I, I assume in investing a first round pick on Mozzie Smith, a defensive tackle, that you envision him being more than just a two down run stopping player. Yeah, he's going to be more than a two down run stopping player. You know, we, we feel like that, but then his main job is his main job, and he's got to be very, very good elite at that. And that's why we took him in the first round, and he's got to get to that point, but he's got to be very, very good at what we drafted him for, and the other things are going to improve, and we have a strong feeling that they will. How do you take us through that process of how do you project a guy that was a great run stopper, that was a huge part of what he did, and, and he's been talking about how he's going to have a plan with, with Dan for the pass rushing plan. How do you kind of project that when all his stats and everything show unbelievable run stopper, but you see, obviously, a guy that you think is going to be pretty disrupt, disruptive as a pass rusher? Yeah, I mean, your key phrase you used there was projecting. We're, anybody going from college to pro, you're projecting. You know, we're projecting how good they're going to be, what position they're going to play. But in terms of looking at improving pass rush, there's enough snaps on tape that show that he could get to an edge and he could win. Uh, to be able to get to an edge and win an edge, and people do it differently. Some people do it with speed. Some people do it with bend. Some people do it with power. How does he use his skill set to do that job of rushing the passer? That's getting with the coaches and developing that, but there's a plan for it. When you watch the tape, you know, there's, there's different schemes. Guys play with their feet parallel, so they're readers. To rush the passer, you have to trigger your feet. You have to know you're going to an edge and not play a whole man. So 
it's going to take reps, but I think that he's football smart enough and we do a good enough job to be able to improve that. And when Dan Quinn says he can see this guy being a pass rusher, you tend to believe that yes. he can develop him into one of those kinds of players? Yeah, I mean, just the way that our whole staff works and in, in, in their plan and their program for getting the best out of guys. They understand. I mean, you know, they do a unique thing with players when they come in is they ask them what their weakness is, okay? What's your weakness, all right? You tell me it's a weakness now. Are you willing to work on that? Yes, okay, well, here's the plan. So there's a plan to improve those things, too. That's during the 30 visits? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, scouting yep. process? Yep. And, Go ahead. I was just going to say, so um, after you made that move, <coughs> addressed that issue on defense, uh, we went into this draft thinking it was real deep for tight ends. People mm-hmm. were saying it was historically good, mm-hmm. rich draft for tight ends. Did the run on tight ends at the top of the second round catch you guys by surprise, or how did you deal with the fallout of that? And, no, and it didn't It didn't catch us by surprise when you put your board together. You put your board together based on the players and how you value them and who we thought was best. And, you know, going down that way with them, when you look at the tight ends, there was depth at that position. So knowing that there's going to be runs in the draft there's always runs on positions you got to be prepared for that you got to be prepared that if you don't get one what the you know what are you going to do i think that we um tr- you know went through free agency filling some holes so that we could draft here and make sure that we were doing things the right way you don't want to force anything but you pay attention to it because when you go in the draft people talk about best player available mm-hmm. position need it's a combination of the two the market every year is different you know we go to go to whole foods sometimes they don't have any apples so you gotta eat bananas so that's kind of the way that you look at it because it's a different environment every time you go in the draft. And oh, by the way, I appreciate you. Tr- we're trying to land Whole Foods. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What What about Luke Schoonmaker? Fits well with what you're looking to do at the tight end position. Well. He played in the Big Ten, physical brand of football. They block. He understands that. So many offenses and things now, you got these extended receivers that don't do what you want them to do in the NFL. Um, he's done that. He's played in a system where they require it out of him. He's done it at a good level. He's done it, um, you know, and, and he's got the physical skill set to continue to grow, too. The, the, the you know, his athletic testing, all those deals, as well as the tape. So there's a guy with upside that, you know, was a little different than the other ones because, you know, each one had their own little specialty deal. He was a well-rounded guy. Is Mike, now that Mike's back to calling plays, was his influence I'm sure it was you know similar but any did it feel any different because obviously he's been away from this for a few years he's back to it he seems to be very excited about it did that influence anything in in your your visits and in the build-up to the draft no no I think you know the one thing about being the head coach is that you've got to see it all and that's what Mike does is kind of look at the even though he's calling plays he realizes that if you go defense and you pick a defensive player, well, that's going to help my offense. Um, you know, we're going to get the ball back, those things. So he's he's been very transparent about wanting to get good football players and we'll adjust our scheme and who we are based on the players that we have. You mentioned that you were felt like you were able to go into this draft and be open-minded and flexible and follow your board in terms of how you had guys ranked. How much of that was a product of making the trade for Brandon Cooks and wide receiver not getting forced into a move there? Or... You know, getting Stefan Gilmore at corner and not having to address that position early in the draft. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it. That's why there's free agency. That's why there's draft picks and compensatory. And it's how do you use, you know, the funds that you have to be able to improve uh, your team. And I think we we address some of those things using the you know the compensatory picks for um, for Cooks and for Gilmore. And then we felt like we'd cover that up, and so it gives you the ability to say, I don't have all of these holes I have to fill, and which 
might make you want to place more value on one thing or the other. No, let's keep it as pure as we possibly can. And I think that that process helped. It was interesting to me because Cooks was a guy you pursued in a trade at the deadline last mm-hmm. year, and it didn't happen. And despite there now being many more options to get a wide receiver, you still chose to get him. Mm-hmm. What is it about him that the organization found so intriguing? Well, uh, number one, his... his um, the, the production that he's had consistently throughout his career, um, that's number one. Number two, you know, people you talk to around the league and everything about him being a professional. And, you know, we had Carlos Watkins was here. The, uh, Prince had coached him, and they talked about not only his ability but kind of his leadership quality. So when you have a, a team that's trying to get to the point where we're trying to get to, you have a good locker room, you got a great leader in Dak Prescott, he needs support. Well, here comes a guy that, you know, from everything that I've heard, from all the guys doing the, you know, the voluntary sessions and everything, not only how fast he is, that's the first thing that's out of their mouth, but how good of a leader he is to the young guys and teaching them and telling them and, you know, helping them understand this game. Well, so now you add that piece, juice, um, you know, making the young guys better. We stayed with him because we just felt like that was one of the things that you needed to add to the team, and and um, he's just been so accomplished, you know. What's what's the biggest change you've made over the years? You've been on a really good run with a lot of your draft picks. Uh, you know, I, I'm just wondering, as you have grown into this and done it more and more, is there anything you're doing that much differently now than you were five, six years ago? No, I think I've continued to learn how to um, apply the, you know, what the coaches want compared to what the scouts see, compared to what we need, you know, collectively as a team kind of talking about that. But I think the most important thing that I've done over the past five years is the staff has continued to grow into our process. So I've been doing this for 10 years, I think. Uh And we, we kind of changed our system and the way we did things and kind of some of the marks that we want to hit, now everybody buys into that. So now our process is cleaner. Um, you know, it's from how we watch tape to how we grade players to how we present the players, how we dig up the information. Um, and those scouts have a great responsibility. They're the first ones to go out and see them and do it. So the belief in those guys gives me belief in the system and in the belief to be able to say, this is why we do it. This is how we do it this way. And then the results come, and then everybody sees the results. It's not you know, anything that I'm doing, but it's like the collective group as we put it together and then working with the coaches as well. It's a unique deal is working with the coaches. The coaches going out. The guys we assign them doing the work, doing the work that the way that we do it, it might be different than their other places, um, but they jump into it and they buy into it. And so, I think continuing to work on um, it's a player for us, not a player that I pick, not a player that you know a coach picks, but the, the process does. So continuing to improve that process, that's that's the thing that I think that I've learned over the years. Continue to hone in on the details, believe in something, we believe in the way we're doing it. So. Let's refine it and keep doing it, you know, and keep getting better at it. Do you still love getting out on the road and seeing people with your own eyes? Oh, Obviously, yeah. you trust your scouts, but how much do you enjoy that part of it? I enjoy that part of it because it's 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 fresh. Typically, the way that I go out, because like I'm here all year during the year, I might go catch a game or two during the season, but I know our team, I know what's going on, and I try and hit this tape or, or you know, the all-star games with a fresh eye without looking and hearing what they say. 
and formulate my own opinion. But I do like to get out on the grass and see it, and I especially like to go to pro days um, because you can kind of get the feel of the competitiveness of a kid and the atmosphere that he's from. And, you know, all of those things matter when you're bringing them into a different environment. It's like understanding what they come from and then you got to know what you're putting them into. How, how has your influence in the organization grown? I mean, we saw the video. You guys were in the draft room in the first round debating two different players, Mozzie being one of them, and it almost seemed like once you made your case to Jerry, you were the last voice to speak before that choice was made, and you carried the day. Your, what you, how you viewed Mozzie really weighed on Jerry and convinced him, this is our guy. Well, I, how, how has your influence grown over the years with Jerry? I think hopefully it's continued to build trust in what we've done because we have a process, they believe in it, we've had success. Um, and then, you know, with them asking me my input on these, you know, on these players and in, in that situation, um, I think it's positive because they, I, I hope that they know that I do the work and how important it is to me. And I'm going to give an opinion. And everybody in that room, as we go through it, has an opinion. I try and collect all of it and put it all together and say, based off of everything we talked about, let's here's the evidence as to why. You know, and that's that's kind of the way that I look at it. So I, I, I am. Um, very um, happy with the way that things have progressed and why I'm still here is the fact that there is input, not only my input, but the value of input from everybody. Um, me being kind of the controller of it, um, that there's a great sense of responsibility with that too. I don't want to you know, screw up anything because I might not see it the way that you do. Well, let's collectively look at it and try and figure it out. And I think that's the best way to kind of describe what we do and my influence in it is I'm always trying to be as best I can, unbiased, and let's get all the facts. And then at some point in time, I got to say what I like. You, you mentioned you're still here. Mm -hmm. You've had chances to leave, to be a general manager somewhere else. Why are you still here? Why, do, you, do, you, do you value those opportunities? Do you want, is that something you still aspire yeah. to have? I mean, what I aspire to do is a part of something that holds up a trophy and being the best in the business as many times as I possibly can. Is that here, wherever it is, but I feel like it's here because um, of the unique way and situation that we're in now. Um, you know, you everybody's got a title, everybody reports to the owner. Our owner just got on with GM. I don't, titles don't mean anything to me. So it's the group, it's the effort, it's the opportunity that's most important to me. Like having a title next to your name, um, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that too. I like watching tape. I like being able just to do football. I love visiting with the coaches and the trainers and doing all that stuff. You know, it's the other things of the GM job that I might not want to do, but um, you know, the key is being here and being, you know, having an opportunity to do it because of just like the the, uh, the the scene in the draft room when we drafted Deuce. It's about family. My kid's out here now. Why do we do this? I spend so much time away from family and doing things that, um, yeah, when, you, when you're around a group that you know that they know you and you can argue with and it's like that family atmosphere, and there's sometimes paychecks that, you know, can't equate to some of those things. Does your son ever help you break down any film? Uh, he'll watch tape with me. But, you know, this is a new generation. If I had it on my phone and I was watching TikTok and I was watching, like, 12-second snippets, he would watch it all the time. <laughs> it's it's sitting there and running back plays over and over and over again. He gets bored. He leaves. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's the unique part about it, too, for me. Is Again, my son grew up in this. And, you know, him being in the draft when we um, when we, when we uh, drafted Deuce. And you see that, that father-son relationship at a different level grow. Like, he's out here today and he's watching. 
watching. So to see his maturation through this process and being allowed to do it in this environment is one of the coolest things ever. Well, what, speaking of coolest things ever, the, the Deuce Vaughn drafting him with your with his father being yeah. one of your employees what 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 did you what was your take what was that moment like for you as a guy who's lived that same life oh it's um it was probably one of the coolest moments of my life I've ever had with all the different things that have happened and I've been very fortunate to achieve or see and do that was one because it was okay it was the father son deal but then the reaction of everybody knowing Chris is a guy, and everybody that's watched his son, his reactions, like everybody was happy for that moment, not only for them, but for us. And so it was, it, that was just like one of the best things I've ever been around. And he said it best. He's like, I don't want it just to be a nice story, though. Yes. Like he's, y'all didn't do this to create. It was a neat moment. Yeah. If anybody's ever seen him play, he has a huge impact. That's the number one thing is we drafted a really good football player that can help our team and the side story was his dad worked for the team um, and when we talked about it when 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 Chris wasn't in the room and it was Jerry myself Steven um, and you know we talked about all the things that the guy could do and you know the greatest thing was Jerry was like you know that's the guy to pick because it's the best thing for us it wasn't anything other than his ability that made us pick him so that was you would have picked him no matter whose son he was. Right, no matter whose son he was. You go, we're going down through that that whole deal, mm-hmm. and so you're looking at it and you're going, wow, okay, what's available, what's there, what's comp, you know, all of his accomplishments and what he's done, and not only in college, but you look back to high school, all the things he's done, and uh, when you add that element, if he can help us in the way that he is. Um, that just adds more sh- stuff to your locker room, to your team, to your chemistry, all that stuff, too. It's kind of cool that he has that relationship with Sproles. I yeah. mean, everybody thinks of that, but, I mean, the K-State connection, mm-hmm. they have, like, a you friendship. You said he texts him all the time, uh-huh. every yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that has to help which, yeah. when there's a there's somebody out there, kind of your same stature, that's done it. Yeah, that's done it. I mean, you know, and, and, and that just talks about his intelligence to reach out to somebody that, you know, could relate to him. Not everybody can understand what he's going through. There's, you know, plenty of times where he's been told he's not big enough, you know, all that stuff. Well, here's another guy that made it and did it. And uh, for him to draw uh, some mentorship from that guy is like, it's really cool, you know. And, uh, you know, I talked, you know, we talked about the draft. And one of the things that, that stuck to me is like we were talking about quarterbacks. Okay. The number one pick in the draft is not your prototypical NFL player, but the game has changed the way that player the game is played has changed and the players that execute their assignments has changed a little bit so you have to open your eyes to that and then you got to use them that way but i mean football players come from everywhere all sizes all shapes mm-hmm. all colors and if they can do the job they can do the job and is sproles the comp for him um i would say that you know there's a sproles comp i would say the boston scott kid that was at philly um Tariq Cohen, you know, so there's some guys that are comparable, but his skill set is a little different than those guys. Um, so he adds a different element. I mean, he gets football matchups, those sort of things, and still be able to do what you do offensively. He's he's just not five and ten. It's different. He looks strong. Oh, like yeah. He just looks like he's put together. How many How many times? Do you remember how many times he did 225? I don't remember off <laughs> What's the top it? of my head. It had to be. I don't remember off the top of my head, yeah. but, a, but a unique deal about it. Whoa, wait, whoa. The unique deal about him is, um, like, his, his his hands are 
nine three. He's he's, <laughs> he's five five. His hands are nine three, right? We got guys that are um, six six five. I got a six quarterbacks with smaller hands than that. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's quarterbacks. There's offensive linemen with smaller hands than that. So, um, you know, he's just he's he, he finds a he'll find a way to get get it done. We're talking, he'll give it everything. I know that. You're talking about Chris and, and Deuce and family and all that. Part of the reason you're here and inspired to try to win a championship with the Cowboys before you take your next opportunity, if you ever do, is because didn't you, wasn't your, this your dad's team? No, well, no, it was funny. It wasn't my dad's team. Like, I grew up in Houston, so growing up in Houston, we hated the Cowboys because some of our games way, way, way back in the day, you didn't get to see because they put the Cowboys on. Um, and so my dad, You didn't get to see the Oilers? Yeah, my dad, my dad used to always hate that. And then, um, you know, but it's, again, going back to that family deal, it's like... Uh, when I got the job, he was like, hey, whatever, I like the Cowboys fine. <laughs> but he came out um, to camp when he got he was uh, battling the cancer deal again and the way that they accepted him and treated him and the whole deal. That's the family stuff that I'm talking about. It's when I was coaching the arena team, Charlotte's kids, and Shibo's working in scouting now. That's, you know, that's all the stuff that I'm familiar with and that matters to me most is when you, we go through and we do all this stuff, What's it for? We're trying to win, but it's the relationships and the people and everything that you go through. It must have been nice, though, to hear what Jerry said about how much he thinks this is the best front office team he's had in his 30-plus years of, of owning the franchise and then demonstrating that by, okay, Will, what do you think of these two players in the first round and then going with what you said? Yeah, I think that's cool and unique, and, you know, those are all moments in time that make you go, yeah, this is worth it. But, it, it you know, the best – front office, we got to win the damn championship to be considered the best front office. That's the way I feel, and that's what I'm driven by is, like, having the best process with the best group of scouts that help find the best players to make us the best team. You, know? you, you like how much Ed has studied the draft room camera to be able to pick up I know. He, he, had, yeah. he might be. Are you Like, we kick the desk every now and then to find out if anybody's going to get an information. It might be Ed. <laughs> well, I can't watch TikTok, so I guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even though Ed was covering the Texans draft, he was like studying. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going back up? Okay. Uh, are you very pretty good on this? Well, I wanted to because we have a huge, uh, you know, Longhorns audience as mm -hmm. well. Overshone is somebody Big 12 people really know well. Explosive player. Yes. I think people projecting him in the NFL is like, okay, what's he going to be right away? What's he eventually going to be? How do you all kind of see him? Obviously, special teams it seems like would be a great entry point for him. Yeah. But where, where is this thing headed with him? I mean, you know, you're looking for as the game continues to change, and you got to have guys that can cover people, that love to hit people, that play really fast, uh, and that have instincts on top of it. He's got football instincts. He's got to learn. You know, he moved down from safety to linebacker, plays with speed and passion and all that. And, hell, they even asked him to rush the pass or something in Texas or he said that he was going to do it and he proved that he could do that. So, I think the big thing for him is come in and make an immediate impact on special teams, learn his role, but he's going to be a guy that can play sideline to sideline and make plays for us in the run of the pass game. Between now and camp, what do you still need? People say a running back, a left guard, what do you see as any remaining holes on this team? We need to we need to continue to improve the team in whatever way we possibly can. There's you know um, you got to make sure you have depth. Um, continue to have depth because of, you know after one injury could happen and you're uh, you know you're back at the starting block. So we want to have depth, but in uh, in you know wherever we see that there's a hole as we continue to go through this, we're going to look to improve it. Um, 
you know, there's going to be opportunities to do that, and we need to be able, if it's the right fit, be able to handle it in whatever position that we do. You know, your, your biggest fans are going to love hearing this interview, except they hate any time the microphones in front of you or the spotlights on you because they're always afraid somebody's going to steal you away. Like, <laughs> people in the league are otherwise don't otherwise know how valuable you are to the Cowboys franchise. Well, hey, I appreciate that, and I don't, you know what? You're not an attention seeker. Yeah. I think what Ed's saying is now that you've, you know, again, been on the Doomsday podcast. Yeah, that's it. You're like, really, I know. It's about to change. I know. I'm actually going (laughs) to, I'm going to put it on my social media account so I can get more hits. Maybe your son will like, yeah, my podcasting. Yeah, my son will say, yeah, you know what? You talked too long. I just turned it off. I went to do something else.